Uh, this morning, I'll look at the passage Acts chapter 15. I'll talk about three things. Number one is about the theological controversy. Uh, theological controversy that started in the church in Antioch uh, because there were some men that came from Judea to Antioch. They came from Jerusalem. Uh, they were mainly Jewish Christian and they were teaching the brothers in the church uh, that unless the Gentile Christians are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, they cannot be saved. So this is the theological controversy that has been repeated time and time again throughout uh, church history. And secondly, we'll look at uh, the how the church in Jerusalem, the recognized leaders, the apostles and the elders, how they went about, bring about the resolution of the doctrinal conflict. And this will also be a pattern uh, that church leaders and uh, of course there are some implication for not just church leaders, but in any situation, whenever Christians facing conflict, how do you go about resolving the conflict, be it theological controversy, doctrinal conflicts, or personal differences? How do you go about, what is the basis of you, what do you base on when you resolve conflicts? Is one personal opinion over the other? or is the word of God is the final authority. And finally, we'll look at the results and the implication of the resolution, uh, both to the church in Antioch, to the Jerusalem church, to the early century church, and uh, which we can make application for our time. Uh, so we'll look at the, firstly, the theological controversy. I want to begin by asking what were the conflicts that you have been, that you have seen happening in the church? What were the conflicts that you have seen happening in the church? And how did the church leaders handle them? How did the church leaders handle them? As for the church in Antioch, <clears throat> when the uh, Jewish Christians who came from Jerusalem, uh, theologians called them Judaizers. Judaizers were the Jewish Christians who taught a combination of God's grace and human effort. Uh, if you look at the verse 1, they were teaching the Antioch Christians that uh, the, the Gentile Christians need to be circumcised and to keep the law of Moses. When we, when you hear the word that when they say they were to obey the law of Moses, they are talking about many rules that are arising uh, from the law of Moses. Now, so they were, they were not denying the gospel of grace. They were not denying the salvation by faith in Christ. They were saying that salvation by faith in Christ plus circumcision and obedience to the law of Moses. So they, are, they were teaching a combination of God's grace and human efforts. 
So is this correct? So this is a theological controversy, a very serious issue that Paul and Barnabas uh, sprang into action and had a sharp dispute and debated with them. What is your thoughts on this, if you were being taught by that? That salvation by faith in Christ is not sufficient. We know that the gospel talk about salvation by faith in Christ alone. Uh, it's a total suffic sufficiency. But this one is talking about gospel plus something else, plus circumcision and obedience to the law. So Paul and Barnabas did not agree with the Judaizers, so they debated with them. And the conflict in the Antioch church was not due to personality clash. Uh, in, as in most cases in the contemporary church, uh, church conflict, we often see that uh, one leader cannot get along with another leader. It has to do with personality conflicts, but this one has to do with doctrinal conflict. Uh, so the conflict was over a theological issue and Paul and Barnabas did not agree with uh, the Judaizers' erroneous teaching. Uh, as for Paul and Barnabas, they knew fully well that people are saved by God's grace through faith in Jesus and not by any works of the law. Uh, of course, if you were to read Paul's epistles that he wrote later, much later after the, this uh, controversy in Galatians chapter 2, verses 15 to 16, and Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 to 9, uh, Paul kept on reiterating that uh, people are saved by God's grace through faith in Jesus alone. Now, if the Judaizers' teaching were left unchecked, it would have detrimental effect upon the life and ministry of the church. It would have serious effect upon uh, Christian life and ministry uh, because such controversy actually manifests a distorted gospel. Uh, in fact, Paul, when he wrote Galatians 10 years later after the Jerusalem Council, uh, after the debate and the discussion and the resolution of the whole issue, Paul used very strong words. Uh, he actually described that to be a perverted gospel. Now, the matter in Antioch church could not be settled. And therefore, the Antioch church, we are told in, uh, in Acts chapter 15, uh, Antioch church leaders sent Paul and Barnabas together with some other believers to consult with apostles and elders in Jerusalem church. And as they travel on their way to Jerusalem, uh, passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, they told the believers they, that they met how the Gentiles were turning to Christ. Uh, I think here Luke is actually giving us a hint of how the Gentiles turning to Christ Later on in Paul and Barnabas' testimonies, their speech uh, revealed that the Gentiles turning to Christ because they heard the gospel of grace, that they were not asked to be circumcised or to obey the law of Moses, that they, are, they, they, they were never justified by obedience to the law of Moses, neither do they, were they justified, mean declared righteous with God or found salvation in Christ. Uh, by uh, being circumcised. And the news brought joy uh, to, the, to the brothers. Uh, if we heard such news of the forgiveness of sins that come from 
believing in the in, in Christ alone, uh, in the finished work of Christ, uh, it will bring joy because we have such freedom uh, in Christ. And as the story went on, we are told that uh, Paul and Barnabas and the contingent arrived in Jerusalem. They were welcomed by the church and the apostles and elders. Now, uh, the theological controversy cannot be settled in the Antioch church, has to be brought to the main church. And so the apostles and the elders convene a meeting. What we now come to know uh, it as a Jerusalem council. It is the first big church meeting where apostles and elders and also the leaders and members of the Jerusalem church as you recall in Acts chapter 1, uh, there are many people that turned to Christ. They were at the time already more than 5,000 men turned to Christ. So we do not know where they meet, how the meeting was convened, uh, because there are many house churches in Jerusalem. Uh, it must be a huge meeting there to be called a Jerusalem council uh, by the, by the uh, theologians. And so apostles and elders convene the meeting. It's very interesting for us to look at how they went about moderating the meeting and the basis on which they came to the resolution of the doctrinal conflict. I do not think as I read in the passage that the apostles and the elders were flexing their muscles, using their authority as the leaders of the Jerusalem church to put down the Judaizers. Now, Listen very carefully as you see that every party concerned was given an opportunity to speak. Now, this is one very good way uh, to resolve conflict. You must give even people you disagree an opportunity to present their view. And that was how the apostles and the elders uh, conduct the Jerusalem Council. And in verse 5, the Judaizers, the Jewish Christian, uh, spoke out, or, or rather the, the group that uh, uh, represent the Judaizers. We are told in verse 5 that uh, some of the believers who belong to the party of the Pharisees, now these uh, were the Judaizers, they stood up and said, the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to obey the law of Moses. Uh, which actually align with uh, verse 1, where the group that went to Antioch church, that unless you are circumcised, telling, uh, they were telling the Gentile Christian, according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. So uh, they were actually in agreement. Uh, it is from the same source that, that they must... Uh, uh, be circumcised. The Gentile Christian must be circumcised and required to obey the law of Moses. Otherwise, they cannot be saved. So they make their theological stand very clear. And then we are told that uh, uh, Peter was the first one uh, begin to speak. If you look at uh, uh, verses 6 onwards. Now, Peter gave his testimony about God's acceptance of the Gentiles from verses 7 to 11. He addressed the assembly by giving his testimony on the incident, how God showed his acceptance of Gentiles. Now, listen to his speech. He said, brothers, 
you know that some time ago God made a choice among you that the Gentiles must hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe God. Now notice very carefully, uh, Peter was narrating an incident that the Gentiles heard from him the message of the gospel and believe God. And then he said that God who knows the heart uh, showed that he accepted them, accepted the Gentiles by giving the Holy Spirit to them. Now, Peter was referring to the occasion he was preaching to Cornelius and his households. Now, of course, that you have to refer to Acts chapter 11 and, and, and uh, Acts chapter 10 and 11. And then he also said that uh, God accepted uh, the Gentiles by giving them the Holy Spirit because as he was preaching the gospel to them, then the Holy Spirit came upon uh, Cornelius and the households and the hearers and they began to speak in tongue. Now that Peter took as an evidence that God accepted the Gentiles. God knew the hearts of the Gentiles. They, they opened their uh, hearts to the to, to to, to God uh, by receiving the gospel and God poured on them uh, the Holy Spirit and they spoke in tongue. Uh, then Peter said, just as he did to us, God gave them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us, referring to the, to the, to the Jewish Christian. He was referring to the day of the Pentecost, how the uh, uh, Jews also came to receive the Holy Spirit. And then he made the theological statement to say that God made no distinction between the Gentiles and the Jews. God made no distinction between us and them, and for he purified their hearts by faith. And then Peter said, Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of the disciple a yoke that neither we nor our fathers have uh, been able to, to bear? No. We believe that it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are safe just as they are. Now, this is the most powerful theological statement that Peter made. It's a theological truth that is worthy to be inscribed in gold. That we believe that we are saved by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ just as they are, meaning that we are never saved by our human efforts. Christianity is the only religion whereby salvation is by faith in Christ alone. It is not by our human efforts. Any other religion is trying to <coughs> uh, make their ways by earning salvation through good works or through human, or through human efforts. Now, the Judaizers wanted to add on to the gospel with human efforts by merits. Now, so Peter, it is, Peter is saying that it is not by circumcision, not by keeping the law of Moses. Actually, Peter was telling the apostles and the elders and the Jewish Christian that none of us have ever able to keep the law of Moses fully. All the rules that are arising out of the law of Moses, how many of us could keep them? So Peter was telling that the keeping the law of Moses, circumcision, obedience to the law of Moses is not the basis of salvation. Uh, as seen in the, in the experience, he was preaching to the Gentiles 
and the Holy Spirit came upon them, God accepted the Gentiles on the same basis as the way that God accepted the Jews. So what is the basis of salvation, brothers and sisters? What is your understanding of the basis of salvation that you have, uh, you have been taught or you have heard? Now, I want to say three things. First, the Jews had made the law of Moses into hundreds of rules that the Jews were required to obey. And they themselves found the law to be a heavy yoke because no one obeyed them fully. My question to you is that if you were to depend on your obedience to the law in the Old Testament or even on the, on the teaching in the New Testament as a basis of salvation, then you will find such a burden in your life. Now, of course, Peter is not teaching, therefore, we should freely flouting the law of God, a law of Moses. Peter is not teaching that. In fact, Paul also said that, uh, uh, you know, it's not a, a license for, for people to sin. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ is not a license for us to keep on sinning uh, because uh, what it is said is that we cannot be saved by obedience to the law. Therefore, no one can be saved by obeying the law because the law function is not for salvation. The function of the law is to drive us to Christ, to show us our sin, that we cannot please God, that we have no way to please God uh, uh, by, by our trying to obey the law because we will fail again and again. And so what Peter was saying is that the law the Jews themselves could not be saved by observing this rule. Not just the Jews. In fact, anyone for that matter can never be saved by obedience to the law because we cannot obey the law. So in other words, why should the Jewish Christian now make this new Gentile Christian obey all these rules which they themselves found such a burden to obey? Translated into our context is that if we could keep adding things into the gospel, then we are making a burdensome uh, way for people to come to know Christ. Second, salvation is through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. That God sent Jesus to die for us on the cross. God is a holy God. And the sinless, perfect man, God, Jesus, atoned for our sin. And it is through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, not by our human effort, not by our way of trying to uh, earn the salvation, it is freely given uh, uh, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ through faith in his finished work. And so to add anything to the work that Christ did for salvation is to negate the grace of God. And thirdly, Jews and Gentiles are saved on the same basis by faith through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, everyone in the world is saved on the same basis. Jews and Gentiles alike are saved by grace through faith in Chinese, uh, by faith in Christ. So every one of us is saved on the same basis. So that is Peter's testimony. And the whole assembly heard that. And then we are told that uh, in verse 12, the whole assembly became silent. Uh, they, they, the Judaizers have nothing to rebuke or uh, to rebut. Uh, the, the, the testimonies of Peter. And then Paul and Barnabas began to now uh, present their speech or their testimony. Uh, they were recounting the story about the miraculous signs and wonder that God had done among the Gentiles to them. 
Now, of course, in verse 12, this is a summation. Uh, Luke did not go on to uh, elaborate into uh, uh, detail of what Paul and Barnabas, but basically is saying the same thing. Uh, they were telling the assembly how God was bringing the Gentiles to faith in Christ. Uh, if you were to read uh, in uh, Acts chapter 13, you can see the whole thing. Uh, Acts chapter, uh, I think, uh, 13 and, and chapter 14. Um, uh, Paul and Barnabas, uh, in fact, they, they reiterated this uh, central doctrine uh, of Christianity that, that, that salvation is by grace in the Lord Jesus Christ through faith in him. And in fact, when Paul was preaching to the Jews in the synagogue of uh, Pisidian Antioch in Acts chapter 13, verse 39, it was very consistent with what he said uh, at the Jerusalem Council. Uh, that Gentiles uh, come to faith, uh, it is through faith in Jesus Christ. The how God was bringing the Gentiles to faith in Jesus. Um, uh, in Acts chapter 13, 39, when, uh, when Paul addressed the Jews, uh, he came to the, the, the verdict that through Jesus, everyone who believes is justified, meaning declare righteous, meaning find salvation from everything you could not be justified from by the law of Moses. So it's consistent with what uh, Peter has been saying. And in fact, 10 years after the episode of the Jerusalem Council, uh, Paul actually wrote the epistles, uh, Galatians chapter 2, 11 to 16. He said, we who are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners know that a man is not justified by observing the law. Now hear carefully, uh, uh, Paul, 10 years later, uh, making very strongly, uh, telling the Galatian Christian, reminding them that a man is not justified by observing the law, uh, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Jesus Christ, referring to he himself and the Jewish Christian, that we may be justified by faith, mean we can find salvation by faith, declare righteous before a holy God, accepted by God, in Christ and not by observing the law. Because by observing the law, no one will be justified. Galatians chapter 2, verses 15 to 16. And finally, uh, we see that uh, James began to give the verdict of the meeting. Uh, next slide. James began to give the verdict of the meeting. Uh, Lee Sin, next slide. Uh, Lee Sin, are you there? Next slide. Uh, James began to give the verdict of the meeting, verses 13 to 21. After all the parties concerned uh, give their, their, their testimonies in the speech, the Judaizers, and Paul and Barnabas representing the Antioch church, and then Peter representing the Jerusalem church. And, uh, and basically, uh, James was uh, quoting scripture and uh, he said, uh, and, and, James spoke out, said, Brothers, listen to me. Simon, that is Peter, has described to us how God at first showed his concern by taking from Gentiles a people for himself. And the words of the prophets are in agreement with this. Now, in verses 13 to 18, James was quoting Amos chapter 9, verses 11 to 12. Uh, the prophecies of Amos are in agreement with what Peter and Paul and Barnabas has been saying, or with Peter has been saying. 
And James said, after, uh, quoting Amos chapter 9 and 11, After this, I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent. Its ruin I will rebuild and I will restore it, that the remnant of man may seek the Lord. The remnant of man referring to the Jews and all the Gentiles who bear my name. That means Jews and Gentiles will come uh, uh, into the kingdom of God, says the Lord, who does these things that have been known for ages. Uh, the prophecy is that God will return and rebuild David's fallen tent, referring to the kingdom of God, uh, the, the, the eternal kingdom of God, as God promised that uh, in David's, on David's throne will sit a Messiah, a king that will reign uh, forever and ever, uh, which find fulfillment uh, in, in the church. Uh, find fulfillment in Christ, that Christ will establish the eternal kingdom of God, where Jews and Gentiles, uh, through faith in him, will be brought in. Uh, this is a prophecy uh, of Amos, and the attestation of the scripture that all along God has always intended uh, to include the Gentiles in his salvation plan. And not only that, the, the, the whole uh, uh, teaching is that the Gentiles will be included by faith. Uh, that God, uh, that that is that the promise that God gave through the prophet Amos would include the Gentiles. Now, what James is saying that he made the judgment uh, that the apostles and the elders and the Jewish Christians should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Uh, what he's saying is that it is not necessary for Gentiles to be circumcised or to obey the law of Moses in order to be saved. Uh, next slide. Uh, uh, so, so we see the, the three things that uh, the wording of uh, three things of the wording of uh, James is that the attestation of the scripture, that means uh, James was appealing to the scripture as the final authority that God all along has always intended to include the Gentiles in his salvation plan. And then uh, he did not elaborate further, but uh, in quoting the scripture, uh, he actually showed that it is not necessary for the Gentiles to be circumcised or to obey the law of Moses in order to be saved. There's no other requirement except the one given by God, namely in faith in Jesus Christ as attested by scripture. Now, this theological issue salvation by faith in Christ alone was the key issue during the 16th century reformation of the church. Now Martin Luther uh, led the reformation movement, the justification by faith alone in Christ. is the central doctrine. Uh, in fact, Martin Luther mentioned this that uh, that this one doctrine is the summary of all Christian doctrine, the article by which the church stands or falls. Meaning that if you are building the church on any other gospel, then the church will fall. This is the one doctrine among others, not one doctrine among others, but the summary of all Christian doctrine, which Protestant. Protestantism was born out of the struggle for the doctrine of justification by faith alone. Now, salvation by faith in Christ Jesus alone is another way 
of uh, Martin Luther presenting as a doctrine of justification by faith alone. Now, uh, Martin Luther, near the end of his life, he remembered how as a monk, uh, he struggled in his earlier year before he found uh, salvation in Christ. Uh, uh, he remembered the phrase justice of God in Romans chapter 1, 17, has struck terror in his soul, justice of God. Uh, the, the, the justice of God, uh, the holiness of God, and all of his attempts to satisfy God, you know, uh, his prayers, he prayed long hours of prayer, his fasting, you know, he, he fasts uh, frequently, and he kept vigils, he tried to do all the good works, you know, tried to please God, and left it, left him with a holy, disquieted conscience. He found that God, God is, is, is so difficult to please him. You know, God is a holy God. He's terrified by the holiness of God. And he, and, uh, in fact, he came to the conclusion that I did not love. In fact, I hated that God who punished sinners and with, with a monstrous, silent, if not blasphemous, uh, blasphemous murmuring, I fume against God. Until finally he began to understand the justice of God meant that the justice by which the just man lives through God's gift, namely by faith. This is what it means. The justice of God is revealed by the gospel, a justice with which the merciful, merciful God justifies us by faith. As it is written, he who through faith is just shall live by faith. I do not know how you feel, what you think now, if you have all along have been weighed down by sin and, and never find a solace in the comfort of salvation by grace, that you have been justified by grace, that God accepted you because you believe in the finished work of, uh, finished work of uh, uh, Christ on the cross. Uh, if you have been trying to please God, uh, trying to earn the favor of God uh, by uh, obedience to the, to the law of God, right? trying to earn his favor, trying to do good works, trying uh, by prayer, fasting, and you know, all this, you will, you will fail. And, and uh, in fact, uh, uh, Martin Luther said that we are just uh, we are righteous and sinners at the same time. We are righteous because uh, we have uh, received salvation freely by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, that God declared us right before him. God accepted us because of our faith in Jesus. So we obey because we have been accepted by Christ. We obey not in order to be accepted by God, uh, our obedience is, is flowing out of our acceptance by God, that God has accepted us because we put our faith in the finished work of Christ. And Christian is at the same time both righteous and a sinner. Now, justification is about being declared right with God. You have been declared right with God. Uh, that's why uh, Paul said that now, therefore, there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, of course, earlier I said that that is not the basis for us to keep on sinning. If it is by grace, we have been declared righteous. Uh, because Paul said, the more we sin, then we become slave to sin. 
the more we are slave to righteousness, uh, the more we obey, we become slave to Christ, to, to righteousness. And, and justification by faith, uh, 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 by grace alone, through, through faith alone, that is the basis of salvation. Uh, that God have put it another way, theological way, that God imputed Christ's righteousness on us when we believe. Uh, so on account of that, God accepted us fully. Now the Ju Judaizer was distorting the gospel and, and, and throughout the centuries, we have seen a Christian can veer away uh, from this doctrine, uh, this gospel of grace and by faith in Christ alone. And the reformers attempted to recover the gospel to the church. And in the same way, I think the gospel can also be distorted and the reformers have done us a great service by recovering recovery of the gospel of grace. And finally, we see the results and the implication of the, of the resolution. Uh, <clears throat> if we see how uh, the <clears throat> Jerusalem Council uh, make the decision, and by looking at the content of the letter to be dispatched, by, by Paul and Barnabas and by Judas and Silas, whom they sent <coughs> to accompany Paul and Barnabas to uh, go to Antioch. If we look at verse 23 and the letters, content of the letters to uh, the apostles and elders, uh, to the Gentiles believers in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia. So, I think here give us a glimpse, a picture that the, this issue was not only confined to Antioch. This theological controversy may have spread to Syria and Cilicia. Uh, many of the Gentile Christians were being disturbed by the Judaizers' teaching. And uh, uh, verses 24 onwards, let me summarize verses 24 to 35, the content of the letter. Uh, basically, uh, the apostles uh, and James were telling the Gentile Christian that those who went out from the church in Jerusalem did not have their authorization. They acted independently and arbitrarily. And, and now they are sending uh, uh, Paul and Barnabas and also Judas and Silas uh, to be confirmed by word of mouth what they are writing. Uh, I think this is such a wisdom to remove whatever doubt that those who may have sided with the Pharisees party. You know, there may be some section in the church of Antioch, uh, Syria and Cilicia, who may have bought in with the erroneous teaching of the Judaizers. Uh, so now you have uh, the Silas and Judas who actually confirm the, the writing uh, by also by word of mouth, not just taking Paul and Barnabas' word, uh, 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 words in case those who do not believe Paul and Barnabas. And basically, they are saying uh, that it seems good to the Holy Spirit to us and, not to, and, and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirement. And so basically, there are four things that they said, uh, that they are to abstain from food sacrifice to idols, from blood, from the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. Although they did not mention about uh, their, uh, it is not necessary for them to be circumcised and to obey the law of Moses in order to be saved. But I think by implication, it is understood 
uh, they're very uh, understood that uh, they are not to burden them with anything beyond the following requirement. So imply in that in that content of the letter that it is not necessary for Gentiles to be circumcised and to obey the law of Moses in order to be saved, but they are to abstain uh, from uh, uh, from uh, 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 four things. And these four things are basically uh, summarized into two. One is uh, they are not to commit idolatry. You know, there are certain things that associating with idolatrous practices, they are not to follow. Uh, and then uh, not to commit uh, immorality. Uh, so the, the resolution, the resolution, we see the results and the, and the implication of the resolution. Uh, four things. Number one, it affirms that the scripture is the final authority and not tradition or culture. Uh, uh, the Jerusalem Council, led by James, appealed to the scripture as the final authority. Although they listened to the testimony of Peter and James, uh, Peter and Paul and, uh, and Barnabas, uh, God worked through the, the history, worked through the experience of the people of God. Uh, we listened to all this. But all the experience must be in harmony with the, with the scripture teaching. So the Jerusalem, Jerusalem Council based their decision not just on Peter's testimony, on Paul and Barnabas' testimony, although the testimony reveal the uh, working of God in salvation history, that, that uh, the Gentiles are accepted by God uh, on the same basis as, as, the, as, as the Jews. Uh, but it is confirmed by the scripture, uh, uh, the prophecies, and as James quoted Amos, of course, there are many other scripture passages that uh, Luke did not record. Maybe uh, James may have uh, appealed to that. We do not know. But we can find consistently in, in the Old Testament, uh, Jews and Gentiles were accepted in salvation on the same basis. And so the scripture is the final authority, not tradition or culture. Now, this is so important. When husband and wife quarrel, how do you resolve the conflict? It is the scripture in which you base, not your experience, not your whims and fancies, not tradition, not your culture. You cannot say in a culture, in the Chinese or the Indian culture, this is the way how we do things. No, you have to base on scripture. Uh, you have to, to, to quote the scripture. The scripture is the final authority. Secondly, we see that the, the guidelines that uh, uh, the, the, the Jerusalem Council gave uh, on the, the four things, you know, the avoidance of idolatry practices and, uh, and the, uh, committing uh, not to commit uh, immorality. And, and actually, these uh, preserve unity, respect for God, preserve unity and fellowship between the Jewish Christian and the Gentile Christian. Uh, uh, you know, the, the Jews will not want to have table fellowship with the, with the Gentiles. In fact, the Jewish Christian have been influenced by that. Uh, they also do not want to have fellow, uh, table fellowship with the Gentile Christian. If the Gentile Christian were to flout the, the, the dietary uh, law, the food law, you know, like uh, eating food offered to idols, uh, uh, which I think this one has to be uh, had to do with the, the idolatry practices, but eating food that has blood in it and uh, and 
animals or the meat that has not, uh, that animals have been strangled, not the blood that has not been properly drained. Uh, so this is actually the, the Gentile Christian have to observe this in order that the, to, to not to offend the conscience of the Jewish Christian. This is to preserve unity and fellowship, you know, to, to, to respect the conscience of the, uh, or to be sensitive to the conscience of the, of the Jewish Christians, uh, which I think Paul later wrote in Romans chapter 14 and uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and 11. Uh, for the sake of table fellowship. And thirdly, we see the wisdom of the resolution uh, that it recognizes indisputably that God has opened wide the door to salvation, welcoming all people to enter by faith in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, not putting an obstacle to Gentiles from coming to Christ, uh, but open wide the door that the only basis is to by faith in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so throughout the century, this is the only basis in which uh, men and women can find salvation. And finally, uh, we are told in verse uh, 35, uh, uh, verse 32 to 35, and, uh, and that these have brought joy to Gentile Christians. Uh, why they were joyful? Because their standing by faith in the grace of God was clearly affirmed. There's no necessity for them to be circumcised or to, uh, to be obedient to the law of Moses. In other words, Gentiles, Christians do not need to become Jews in order to become members of the covenant community. Gentile Christians do not cease to be Gentiles in order uh, to be part of the new covenant community. Unlike the Judaism, where the Gentiles have to become the proselytes in order to be accepted by the Jews who practice, uh, embrace, uh, practice uh, Judaistic belief. Uh, so, meaning that the implication for us, uh, Chinese or Indians, that as a Chinese Christian, I do not need uh, cease to be a Chinese in order to become a Christian. I don't have to become a Jew uh, in order to be a Christian or to be part of the members of the uh, New Covenant community. And of course, the cultural practices in my Chinese, uh, 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 Chinese-ness is that uh, those that are idolatrous practices, uh, I have to reject. But much of the, the cultural practices are neutral. <clears throat> it's just a culture, just like Indians. Uh, for Linda and Manika, you do not cease to be an Indian <coughs> to become Jews uh, in order to be Christians. <coughs> so this brought much joy to the Gentile Christian. Their standing by faith in the grace of God was clearly affirmed. Brothers and sisters, justification by faith in Christ alone is the centerpiece of Christianity that will bring joy and freedom to us, Gentile Christians. Um, let's pray. Father, we are thankful for this gospel of grace. It is such a joy to know that, Lord, uh, it is salvation is by 
faith in Christ alone and by grace in Christ alone. The salvation is given freely. We don't have to earn our salvation. We don't have to strive to obey the law in the Old Testament in order uh, to be saved. That does not mean that we do not need, we do not uh, desire to obey the word of God. On the contrary, because we have been saved, we desire uh, to obey you, uh, not as a basis of salvation, but in order that we may reflect the character of Christ and to please you more and more. What a freedom to live a Christian life that no any other burdens added on us. We have a freedom in Christ as we have been declared righteous, declared right with you. We thank you for this gospel of grace in Christ Jesus alone that we have been accepted by you. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.